You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is Tim Rice, and this is Get Onto My Cloud, episode 29. Chess as fiction is in the news. Okay, not thanks to our musical chess, but it gives me an excuse to return to more stories about the creation of the piece I wrote with Bjorn Ulvaeus and Benny Anderson in 1983 and 1984. Actually, I was going to return to it anyway. But thanks to the huge success of The Queen's Gambit, a seven-part television drama about an orphan girl who wants to become world chess champion, chess the game, or sport, has been in the spotlight with many commentators expressing surprise and delight that chess could be made so dramatic and sexy. I thought The Queen's Gambit was very good. The performances of Anya Taylor-Joy as Beth Harmon, the chess prodigy who becomes a champion, of Marielle Heller as Beth's adoptive mother, and indeed of the entire supporting cast, are superb. The music and fashion of the era in which the story takes place, beginning in a bleak orphanage in the 1950s, are accurately and evocatively employed. The recordings include tracks by Herman's Hermits, Peggy Lee, and Martha and the Vandellas, all framed within a sensuous score by Carlos Rafael Rivera. The series was created by Scott Frank, who also directed, and Alan Scott, adapted from the 1983 novel by the late Walter Tevis. I recommend it highly for everyone who finds time weighing heavily in their hands, as indeed I recommend chess itself as the perfect occupation for a pandemic lockdown. You could always find someone to play with online. Chess, thanks to the Queen's Gambit, is enjoying a boom, but as an intellectual pursuit that's been in existence for more than a millennium, is hardly in need of a 21st century film series to keep it going for a little while longer, nor for that matter did it need Chess the Musical in the late 20th century. However, for obvious reasons, I'm delighted that Chess is back in the wider public consciousness, and in watching The Queen's Gambit, I was encouraged to see how similar our portrayal of the chess world was back in 1983, coincidentally the exact year that Walter Tevis' novel came out, although I'm ashamed to say I'd never heard of it or him until this year. I should have done because Walter Tevis, an American novelist, wrote other books which I had heard of because they too became major film projects, HUD and The Colour of Money, both Paul Newman movie successes, and The Man Who Fell to Earth, which became a film starring David Bowie. Tevis died in August 1984, two months before the release of Chess, our double album. Like the creators of The Queen's Gambit, I did a lot of research into the history and latest developments into chess and its world, which in the early 80s centred around Anatoly Karpov, Viktor Korchnoi, Boris Spassky, and the king across the water, the self-exiled Bobby Fischer. I actually attended the World Chess Championship in Murano in 1981 between Karpov and Korchnoi, won by Karpov. Thus, the magical Tyrolean setting of Murano became the venue for Act One of our show. The big scene in chess in which Anatoly and Florence find their falling in love takes place in a Murano mountain inn 
eventually known as the Mountain Duet. We worked on this the way we did on many scenes. I would outline what the scene should say and achieve. Benny would create the music with Bjorn, or they would delve into their magnificent trove of unused melody, and then Bjorn would write words that acted as a guide for my final lyrics, illustrating where and when, who sang what. In the case of Mountain Duet, Elaine Page and Tommy Korberg actually recorded Bjorn's words, which helped me no end when I came to write the finished lyrics. They sang the temporary words as beautifully as they did the final ones. Here is that interim version. I believe this is the first time You and I meet by ourselves It seems we're always surrounded by crowns everywhere The fans and the damned hangers-on drive me mad At times, but then again I love the game I understand you completely That's why I thought of this place To see you and get to know you I'm glad that you're being candid for you see In fact, I came to this meeting because of you I won't be honored, it seems, by his presence tonight. Well, I just couldn't care less. Frankly, I never saw any point in us meeting here in the first place. You agreed that the match must go on. Yes, and the cohorts the Kremlin has sent They know where I am at this minute And I want those fools off my back You see, others are depending on me If I can help you, let me know, please I can imagine how you must feel Is 
that I've been thinking about you. I see your face haunting me nighttime and day alike. I don't believe it, you're always so cruel and detached. Occupational disease underneath this restrained intellectual mask, I'm just longing to be someone you would consider to give a chance. What am I to do? I am falling in love. I wish you were too. Around the time our chess album came out, I actually participated in an important match between future world champion Gary Kasparov and Viktor Korchnoi by making the first move in one of their games. At least, I was moving the pawn as ordered by Korchnoi. This was all a publicity stunt to promote both our album and the chess event itself. Korchnoi lost, which I hope wasn't because of the opening move. During my early research, I got to know several British chess masters and grandmasters who were enormously helpful to me, including Raymond Keane and Bill Hartston, and also got to know Anatoly Karpov, whom I had the great pleasure of meeting again in Moscow in early 2020, during rehearsals and auditions for chess, just before the 2020 lockdown. Incidentally, the pandemic didn't prevent the glamorous and successful opening of chess in Moscow in October this year, 2020, although none of the show's writers have at the time of this podcast been to see it. It may need to run for quite a while for that to happen. One chess historical fact I did not manage to include, by the way, was that William the Conqueror once allegedly broke a chessboard over the head of the Prince of France after losing a game of chess. But I digress. Here's another chess winner, if I may be so modest. Its final version featured Murray Head along with Anders Glenmark in the choruses. This earlier version has words by Bjorn, Ulveus, and vocals by the terrific Bjorn Skiffs. The city you're in is a pit of pure horror Don't keep money in your pocket Put it in a safe and be sure you lock it You better be careful Right here, things are gonna happen The reason for my same is singing and rapping I hope you didn't bring your mother Tighten your belt, cause we're taking off, brother You're gonna take the trip of your life, my friend It's a Robert Dennis City. Those guys gonna go bananas. You're in for a fight, so forget about your manners. I think you're gonna like it. I got the funny way of yelling, but doesn't it fit with the story I'm telling? This is an honor to the city. I come in here being clever. 
note I kept Bjorn's great chorus, One Night in Bangkok Makes a Hard Man Humble, with only a couple of tweaks. When Andrew Lloyd Webber heard the finished album, or at least that song, he was extremely complimentary about it and told me that he loved the lines, One Night in Bangkok Makes a Hard Man Humble, One Night in Bangkok and the Tough Guys Tumble. Very you, he said to me. Should I admit that they weren't my lines? It took me a moment or two to confess that he'd picked out two superb Ulvaeus lines. I assume he thought one or two other bits of mine were okay, but obviously they were the ones that struck him. Bjorn Skiffs, a very well-known Swedish singer, whose record with Blues Swede of Hooked on a Feeling was a number one hit in the United States in 1974, took the part of the Arbiter on the Chess album. The places mentioned in One Night in Bangkok are not simply random geographical selections or my last three holiday destinations, but actual venues that hosted major chess championships. Iceland, where Fischer beat Spassky in 1972. The Philippines, where Karpov beat Korchnoi three years before their 81 Murano battle. And Hastings, which has long been the centre of the UK chess world ever since the 1895 tournament there, considered at the time to be the strongest tournament in chess history ever staged. The reigning world champion Emmanuel Lasker took part, but only came third. And another world champ, Wilhelm Steinitz, came in fifth out of 22 contenders. The winner was a young American, Harry Pillsbury, who never became world champion. The US had to wait nearly 80 years for Bobby Fischer, the Donald Trump of chess, for their next world number one. As obscure venues were usually chosen for world chess tournaments in order to avoid too much political interference, I thought Bangkok would be as plausible as anywhere. I'm rabbiting on with all this chess information, not purely to show off, but to illustrate how the three of us were very keen to be accurate when dealing with such a worldwide enthusiasm. Everyone I met from the world of chess, whatever they thought of the artistic merits of the show, complimented me on the accuracy and plausibility of story and characters. Those in the theatre world were sometimes not so clued in. It was a bit galling to read that the Sunday Times capsule review of chess in the West End stated week after week in its theatre listings that our show struggled with a ridiculous plot. This, when the most popular and praised show in the West End featured a deformed magician-cum-composer in a mask, hiding in an opera house for decades in order to pursue a young singer. I think I've got that right. If anything, musicals work best when removed from reality. Not that chess was. Chess the Musical actually mentions all world champions and their dates, 
from Steinitz in 1886 until Karpov a century later, in the long, truly operatic endgame sequence, which also includes a potted history of chess, a crunch match for the world championship and a marital explosion, in both of which Anatoly triumphs, and a final love song for Florence and Anatoly, much of which has been totally missed in live performances by theatre audiences denied surtitles. But perhaps the equally well-researched Queen's Gambit will lead people to have a closer look at chess and listen to Benny's sensational orchestral work coupled with the crib sheet of the words. Or not, as the music is stirring enough on its own. Anyway, here's the start of Endgame. When this was played live in the Albert Hall ten years ago, with names, pictures and dates on a screen, it became, for my money, twice as compelling, brutally emphasising the transience of champions, of arguments, of winning and losing, of everything, including love and life, which was not really my original intention. There again, with the voices of the quality of the Ambrosian singers, of Dennis Quilly, Murray Head and Elaine Page, it almost doesn't matter what they say. has trust in one's player and how great the relief 
Working for one who believes in loyalty, heritage, true to his kind, come what may. Though it gives me no joy, adding to your satisfaction, you can safely assume your late unlamented employee knows if he wins and the only thing one is the chest. It's the weak who accept tawdry untruths about freedom, prostituting themselves, chasing a spurious starlight. Trinkets in airports sufficient to lead them astray. Does the player exist in any human endeavor? Who's been known to resist sirens of fame and possessions? They will destroy you, not rivals, not age, not success. That was episode 29 of my podcast, Get Onto My Cloud, written and presented by Tim Rice and produced by Peter Holmes. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.